0: Hello everyone, I'm Alex Majorana.
1: And I'm Sydney Lynch.
0: And this is Little Known Tracks. Today we talk to Tristan Higginson, the lead vocalist and bassist of Waxflower, a punk emo band based in Brisbane, Australia. Tristan spends his professional life as a graphic designer using keyboards that he paid too much money to build.
1: Taking advantage of their time in lockdown, the band focused on writing their first EP, We Might Be alright. They plan on heading out on the road later this year for their own headlining tour. Without further ado, Food for Your Garden by Waxflower.
2: You got me looking in the rearview mix I still got the feeling that you might be here Such to panic and I drive through fuss so you must be watch me flying off the earth
0: Tristan Higginson uh, from Waxflower, thank you so much for being on with us today. Uh, and the first thing uh, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about was uh, graphic design. So you said that you're interested in graphic design. Tell us to what capacity and uh, how you kind of got into that.
2: Yeah, um, great question. Yeah. Um... So I guess graphic design for me, it's actually what I do. Like that's my day job. So I work full time as a graphic designer and I have for four or five years at this point. So, um, I got into doing graphic design, um, back in the day when I was doing, um, I was playing in local bands and meeting lots of people through that. And, um, lots of bands need merch designs basically. And my band needed merch designs and we had no money. So <laughs> I was just basically like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go myself and, and see what comes out of it. And I figured out that it was something that I really enjoyed doing and um, ended up getting to do some really cool merch designs for bands that I like, I loved. So I did um, a poster for Merchant City Soundtrack, the last Australian tour. Um, I did a whole bunch of merch designs for With Confidence um, when they released Better, we- Better Weather. Um, Yeah, there's lots I'm forgetting. There was a, there was, um, back in the day, I did a lot of artwork for Distro Lines, which is like one of the big, um, Australian touring agencies. So I got to do some, some cool stuff there. But, um, yeah. And then I started, um, I studied it at uni, um, and then started working. And, um, yeah. So that's my, my, my relationship with graphic design. Um, for three years, I worked for a company called Orange Sky, um, which is a charity in Australia that have vans with, um, Washing machines and showers in them, so they go all out across the country. And for people experiencing homelessness, um, they can have like a free hot shower and wash their clothes. So that was really rewarding. And um, yeah, now I'm working for an e-commerce site, so yeah, it keeps me keeps me busy during the days. And um, yeah, it's it's good to be able to do something creative um, for work as well, and then get to come home and be creative as well. So yeah, that's that's my that's my graphic design story. <laughs> So your graphic design is not all just uh
0: music merch and um poster design and stuff like that for music you're doing
2: other more normal seeming things yeah for the most part it's very corporate um design i think uh yeah when i started working full-time my first graphic design job was in an agency um, so I would work for lots of businesses there. Um, and then as that work kind of picked up the stuff for bands kind of, you know, fell by the wayside cause I didn't really have time for it anymore in between doing like my own music and then working full time. Um, but over the last couple of years in Waxflower, I've definitely started to, to do a little bit more of that side of things like we're just about to announce a tour and I did the poster for that. And, um, we did a bunch of them. We did all the merch designs, um, ourselves for the EP. So, um, and then, yeah, my brother also, um, helps out with a lot of the merch designs for the band. So it's kind of all in house in that capacity, which is good.
1: How did you develop the style for the merch designs for your band? Uh,
2: good question. Um, I guess, my brother and nick who plays guitar in the band they are pretty big into like streetwear and have their finger on the pulse of kind of what's going on there and by proxy i think i'd do a little bit because i like he he was my older brother like uh, uh, being the younger brother i would just copy everything he did and um i think that's carried through into my 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 young adult years but um yeah i think we kind of had an idea of what we wanted the match designs to look like and um like we we, before we were signed to Rude and um, before this EP and stuff, we'd, we've done a fair bit of merch just ourselves f- from, for, sh- for shows and stuff like that. And we kind of have an idea of um, what people buy and what people don't like from us as a band. So um, yeah, we kind of, we're just playing to the strengths of stuff that has sold in the past and um, yeah, hopefully people like the merch that we, we, we put together for the EP.
1: That must be a cool feeling to see people you know wearing the mo- the merch and being like oh I designed that like
0: and that must also be- I'm that bad yeah, I-, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I remember when I would go I when I was going to like when we could go to shows but back in like um 2017 and 2018 I think like with confidence it just started blowing up in Australia and like overseas and I'd be going to shows and everyone would be wearing this with confidence merch that I designed and it was such a weird feeling. It's a very validating feeling, but like you just see all these people wearing like something that you did on (laughs) on your computer in like a couple of hours. And, you know, I think with confidence is even still selling some of that merch on their merch stores. So yeah, it's definitely a weird thing to just be out in public and be like, oh, I designed that like five years ago. It's weird that it has this other life. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely a very rewarding thing to... Uh, to do i guess that applies to like any creative um yeah anything with a creative output because you know it kind of gets immortalized
0: so uh the other thing that you told us that you were interested or one of them was mechanical keyboards um do you just (laughs) like them like do you just think they're neat or like do you build them
2: um i build them which is something that i kind of fell into in it's something that like I don't know if you guys know what mechanical keyboards are they're like it's basically computer keyboards um and there's like a bunch of good communities online I think the the subreddit is probably the biggest one the most mainstream one but I've always been kind of interested in it because I've always like I I'm a huge fucking nerd and I play games and um I think and being a graphic designer as well like um the keyboard is the thing that I'm like touching for the majority of my day every day like eight hours of my day i'm using a keyboard and it got to the point where it's like okay i don't want to be using this crappy like apple keyboard anymore that feels like i'm tapping on um uh, like play-doh or something i don't know if play-doh was a thing <laughs> in america probably not okay i'm getting off track anyway yeah i like had a mechanical keyboard that i just like bought and i used that for a couple of years and then I kept seeing like sick mechanical keyboards on Instagram and on Reddit and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm going down the rabbit hole. And then obviously COVID happened and I had just so much time and I wasn't doing anything else. And I was, I I just dived in. So um, yeah, I, I wish I had a webcam and I could show you what I'm, what I have at the moment. But yeah, it's like, I think people are really surprised to find out how intensive the hobby is is because there's so many different parts of it and it's so worryingly expensive it is i do not recommend getting into it it's <laughs> it's um it's a, it's one of the worst things i've ever done to my to myself and my, my bank account um but yeah i have like three keyboards and i waste so much time opening up individual key switches and like lubing all the different parts and putting them back together and buying keycaps that are like two hundred dollars just for the things that go on top of the keys I don't know. It's it's really embarrassing and nerdy, but um, it's something that I find a lot of joy in because it's what I get to use every day. And, you know, um, if I'm going to spend eight hours sitting in a desk, I may as well enjoy the tactile experience of it. <laughs> it's and the if, little things.
1: Yeah, and I bet it looks things cool.
2: things that are real expensive, but, And you it know. looks cool. That's the, that is the main part. It looks cool. <laughs> and that's all that matters in life.
0: Listen, it's all about aesthetics with graphic design. So, like...
2: It is. I'm a huge sucker.
0: I think the only other thing that you told us that you were interested in was musical production. Now, I'm not sure if you're just talking about producing music or did you mean like
2: musicals, like shows? <laughs> no, Um. yeah, definitely the former. I think, okay. yeah, I've definitely, <laughs> over the last couple of years. <laughs> Yeah, I can understand why that would have been confusing. But yeah, I've I've definitely just been dipping my toes into, um, yeah, recording bands and, and that sort of thing. It's something that I've been doing for Waxflower and bands previously um, that I've just really enjoyed. Like I've been doing it since I was fourteen or fifteen, and um, i have kind of just dived in. Have started helping bands, you know, release some music. I'm I'm working with an artist at the moment called Longing, and he has a song coming out in um, I think the twenty second. So um we're really excited about that that's like the first song that's like going all the way to you know being out like this will be my first release as a producer and um mixing um and mastering engineer so yeah that's really exciting I'm also working with another band called Sunbleached, um who are really cool they're doing some like um emo shoegaze stuff so that's really really exciting I think being in the studio with Waxflower like one of the most rewarding things about doing that and also being introduced intre- interested in production is just um it's a huge opportunity and learning experience like we work with stevie knight in sydney who has recorded like huge bands like with confidence and stand atlantic and yours truly so like these are like the bands who are at the top of the game in in our scene and just seeing his workflow and how he works it's kind of like it's like i'm getting away with something being in there with him like i think people out there who are want to be producers and stuff like that they would kill to have an experience like that and sit in with you know someone at that sort of level for two weeks like it's something that I think um if I wasn't taking advantage of it I would be kicking myself in like you know five years because I think ultimately that's what I want to be doing with my life um is just you know writing playing music and helping other bands achieve the the stuff that they want to achieve so um yeah, that's kind of what I've been, I've been pushing for hard um, outside of waxflower stuff and work. So um, yeah, it's been a really busy couple of years, but yeah, it's been super rewarding.
1: So when did you get your start in music? When did you start playing instruments? Like, when did you know that this is something that you wanted to pursue?
2: Um, I was, I was pretty young. I remember there was, we grew up in a street with a bunch of other kids, like around our age, but we were super lucky. Um, and one of the guys in our street played guitar. And that was the first time that I'd ever like held a guitar or seen anyone play one. And I just remember being mesmerized with it. I was probably like 10 years old at the time, um, maybe even younger. And I think I like begged my parents for a guitar for the next little bit. Um, and they relented. And then I I was just obsessed. Like I think, I think about learning guitar now and I think about people who set out to learn an instrument as an adult and I I have so much respect for them because it's so much harder to learn something as an adult because you have no time to do it. Like the amount of, of time that it it took me to learn how to play guitar, like you would just come home from school and just play Smoke on the Water for like three hours and just be elated. Like, <laughs> I think it's so easy to lose yourself and stuff like that as a kid. but yeah, I, I play guitar pretty religiously for, um, a few years, like, and then I, I, my first year of high school, I, I, um, was in class with his name's Dylan. He's still my best friend. And, um, we started, he played drums and we started a band and that was like the end of, um, that was, that was it. Like, I was like, I was like, this is what I want to want to be doing with my life. And, um, yeah, I played in, in that band. We were kind of like fucking around in, in Dylan's garage for a few years and having the most fun we could have. And then I started playing in a band with my brother called The Electro Kid of all, of all names because he was, one day he just came to me and he's like, um, I have a secret to tell you. Um, I'm actually a secret MySpace band and I need you to play drums for me because I have, we have a show i'm like this is ridiculous and yes i will do it and i learned how to play the drums and we played that show and it turned out that he was actually like kind of successful on MySpace. on MySpace, like people were making fan art of like his music and stuff and i didn't even know that he was like could, could sing which he couldn't it was all auto-tune like god bless his soul but <laughs> um yeah he, he was i think my brother is like the main reason that i i stuck with it for so long because you know we had a little bit of success in bands you know from when i was 14 to like 19 years old and that time I met everyone who's in waxflower as well because we were just playing local shows and um around the sunshine coast in brisbane in australia where we're from and we just you know you would see these people you know every couple of weekends or so and just get to know them so when it came time for me to like shop the demos of Waxflower around I kind of had an idea of who I was keen to join the band from you know all of that past experience and luckily everyone was on board so yeah that's kind of the, the 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 Tristan music story leading into Waxflower but um yeah it's been a long one but a really rewarding one for sure
0: okay so before before we we go on right I don't know a lot about MySpace, just in general. Are secret <laughs> bands, like, a thing on MySpace? Was that...
2: It was more so that it was secret to everyone that he knew personally. Um, and also, he didn't show his face in any promos or anything. It was more like, he was, like, this 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid who didn't want to, like, get bullied for being <laughs> electro pop artist on MySpace by <laughs> his friends and, and family, so... Um, yeah, I think that's where it stemmed from, and like his favorite bands growing up were bands like you know Never Shout Never and the Ready Set, and you know those those one man MySpace bands, and um, yeah, by proxy, like I love those bands and everything. So yeah, it was it was just a it was it was a really interesting experience, and I think if you go back, there's like a website called the Wayback Machine where they kind of um, you can look at websites um they like take snapshots of of web pages in history so you can go back to the old MySpace pages and see what what it was like so it's interesting to go back and revisit that sort of stuff but I kind of wish MySpace was still kicking it was it was good times for musicians
1: I was never a MySpace kind of person that was a little bit before my uh my internet time started
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's very fair I think yeah. I, I was probably a little bit too young as well. I had the uh, the, the the tour guide of my brother leading the way, um, just being like, we would just go onto MySpace and find bands. And there was like a music play out on the band's pages. And it was really annoying. Most of the time, the music would just automatically start playing if you go on the website. So imagine just going onto a band's Facebook page and then the music just starts blaring out of the speakers. Um, but then it was really good because every myspace page had like a top eight like their top eight friends and bands had them as well so they would have like other bands that they liked it was kind of like how on spotify you can view bands that you know other fans of that band like but the band themselves could pick what those bands were so it was good for like helping your friends like help expose your friends bands to new people and stuff like that so yeah it was interesting times but i think yeah in terms of music um like promotion and stuff like that it's like Spotify and you know streaming services have definitely made a bigger impact than maybe MySpace did. So
0: it had its time. It had its time. It did. Have sure. it, it
2: definitely had its time. And Tom from MySpace just like peaced out with his money, and now he's just living the life.
1: <laughs> now MySpace is no more, but it served its purpose.
2: <laughs> it is. It did. <laughs> and then Justin Timberlake bought it, and then and then nothing happened.
1: Yeah. That was, that happened for a hot sec, and then it was kind of over.
2: <laughs> well, and that's you know, rest in peace. That's that's all and there is to say space. about MySpace.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you talked about how that experience kind of helped you uh, know the people that you sort of wanted to uh, build wax flower with and whatnot. So, tell us a little bit about. Uh Waxflower's inception and how it really came about and how you decided that you wanted to do it.
2: Yeah, so I guess I I was pretty focused before Waxflower. I was still recording music and demoing and stuff by myself, but I wasn't actively playing in any bands really. Um, and was you know, had just started working and I've been working at Orange Sky for a couple of years, and I, I was kind of at a crossroads where it was like, okay, I can either like go full steam into being like a businessman, graphic designer and chase that. Or I can like have one more shot, um, at, you know, doing the whole band thing. And I, I went in, uh, recorded a couple of demos with a local producer, Gareth, um, Hargraves out of, out of Brisbane. And, and we sent those, I got those back and was really happy with them. Like, this is the first time that, um, I was like, felt like I was truly myself in a recording and de- in demos. And I sent them off to, uh, who is now our drummer, Dan Seymour, who plays in uh, another band called Columbus. Um, and we grew up playing lots of shows with them and they had made it, um, they, they were pretty successful in the scene and they had toured the UK and stuff out of Australia. So, um, I, it was kind of like a long shot of just me sending it to Dan and being like, Hey, what do you think of these songs? And, Thankfully, he was just, you know, super keen and on board with them. And that kind of gave me the kick that I I needed um, to, you know, give this a real shot. And I, I reached out to Nick, who plays guitar, because we've been mates for ages. And he'd always said, like, um, if you ever want to start another band, I'm heaps keen to play guitar. And, you know, he's one of the funniest guys I know. And I think that if he wasn't in this band, it would be a completely different experience. Um, and then Jordan, who plays um, rhythm guitar. Um, he, uh, was also in bands on the Sunshine Coast and, um, uh, he loves say anything in Motion City soundtracks. I was like, this is the guy to be in my band. Um, and then we just got in a room and played some songs and it was like instantly a better, you know, musical experience than I've ever had with any other band. So, um, and to this day, I'm super, um, super thankful to have those guys on board, but yeah, we'd had been we had been a band for like two or three months before. I think Dan reached out to Stevie, or Stevie reached out to Dan, um, and was like, "Hey, I have two weeks free, and I've always wanted to work with you. Like, what are you doing at the moment?" And Dan was like, "Okay, well, my band Waxflower needs to record some songs, so we'd only really been a band for a couple of months before we when it was scrambling to get some songs together to head down to Sydney and some." And record but we got the money and the songs together and yeah it went super well stevie took us out on our first tour with his band the dead love and you know the rest is um the rest is history some would say historians would say historians love to say the rest was history that's the catchphrase
1: so what was that experience like working like with the producer that you've looked up to and like have been dying to work with
2: it was really surreal. It was really scary. First of all, cause I was like, I'd gone from, you know, I, I, would worked with like great producers in the past, but like it felt like there was more on the line this time. Cause I was like, it's a new band with these people that like I've been around, but I'm not like super close with like the bands i have been in before. I was with my brother and, and, and closer friends. So, um, yeah, it was, there was a lot riding on it. Cause like my songs and like, I've got to sing in the studio with this world-class producer for the first time. And, um, It was really stressful at first but stevie is like the best at doing what he does that i've like ever encountered it's so good and he's so chill and makes such a comfortable environment um yeah he's he is one of the best i can't praise him enough um but more than anything it was just like an amazing experience just hearing the songs come together in that studio with that producer um it kind of you know um took me off guard um And I was like, by the the end of that two weeks, I was just like so so much more comfortable in myself and my singing and um, the music than I'd I'd ever been before. By the time that we got to come back for this EP, like it was a completely different experience. And yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do. Like we're going back in a month. So I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it immensely because it's just my favorite thing to do. It's also just like a two week holiday with, you know, three, four of my closest friends. So um, yeah, I'm really excited.
1: Did you pick up anything from him as a producer like when you started working with other artists as you know music producers for them? Was there any like little things that you picked up that you were like wow that was a really great you know really great thing that you experienced that you try to carry to them?
2: Yeah I think especially because he produces the same sort of music that I write and like is in the same sort of scene that um, of bands that I want to produce. It's definitely, um, I'm really lucky in that I can see his workflow and like how he actually goes about approaching, you know, drums and then recording guitars. And it's definitely one of those things where you pick up lots of little things along the way that by the time you get back, you just kind of, it's a completely different approach to what you need to do. I think especially with one of the most interesting things about Stevie's workflow as well is that he uses, um, he uses Reaper as his DAW, which is like, um, you, it's, it's probably most people use pro tools or, or logic or Ableton. Um, but Reaper is it's, it's, it's got a 90 day free trial. And then if you don't pay for the 90 days, you, it just doesn't end the trial. You see, There's just a little splash screen. I think lots of people look down on Reaper in like the producing scene because, you know, it doesn't cost $600 and, you know, it's not taught at uni or anything, but it's so powerful. And the fact that, you know, these world-class albums are coming out of his studio with Reaper, um, was something that, you know, was really interesting to me. And I definitely, I started using Reaper after that and just was blown away because I was using Logic and Ableton before that. And it's it's so powerful, like for this tool that I always hear people talking shit about online. Um, yeah, it's it was really interesting. But yeah, just even like when it comes down to little things like comping vocals and how he approaches, you know, recording vocals even, like one of my favorite things that we do in the studio that I would never have considered in the past is, um, if we will like split the song up into its parts and then we'll, you know, maybe approach this one line first or these two first two couple lines first. And um, one of my favorite things for time-saving now is um, if you're not getting the take um, and you need to focus on it, what we'll do is we'll just like mute the instrument in, instrumental track and just do it straight to a click. And then you can just do like whatever part is troubling you like multiple times over until you get it. It's just like one of those little, things that I would never have thought of and I don't know I've never heard anyone talk about until I actually was doing it in the studio with Stevie so I I I think he should like start like a podcast or something where he talks about it but it's there's so many little interesting you know recording tricks that like he does and that I would never have considered
0: would you you're doing a lot of producing now like for other bands and stuff and would you consider doing production for wax flower or do you want to just leave the music that you're writing, like have the outside ears on it?
2: I think I'm definitely at where I am in terms of producing. Like I've only really just started. I'm not as confident as I would be, um, you know, heading down to Stevie or someone who's like the seasoned world-class producer. I think, yeah, I've still got years to go until I get to, um, a level that I would be comfortable, you know, doing wax flower stuff with. Um, but I think that's also one of the things I think I don't want to be too involved when it comes to that sort of thing. Cause I want to be able to focus on, um, you know, the performance side of things. And it's, it's already a pretty st- stressful ex- experience being in the studio because, um, like I, me and Stevie will record all of the guitars basically. And then, um, then I, we do the vocals as well. And like, I'm, I'm involved at like every point of the process. I think I'd like need, I would just need someone else to handle like the actual producing and like engineering side of it. Um, so I don't lose my mind, it's, um even more than I do already.
0: So how did you guys, this is a little off, but how did you guys come up with the name Waxflower?
2: That is a question that I wish I could answer. I don't remember is the answer but it was originally, I remember like, I maybe was just like trying to think of names for bands. Cause I had like, I had this one like acoustic single that I recorded myself. And I was like, I want to put this on Spotify. And I was like, what should I name the side project on Spotify? And I just thought of Waxflower and I remember being really excited by the name, but I don't remember where it actually stemmed from. I was probably just like trying to merge words together um, to create some weird portmanteau, but um yeah Waxflower and that single was on Spotify for like a year or two and then we kept the name we took that single down thankfully because it was horrible um and we kept the name and I remember Dan wanted to change it for sure and I was like I was really offended I was like this is the this is my my baby this is (laughs) but I think he's come around to it now so um yeah I wish I had a better answer to that question but I I definitely do not (laughs) fair enough um
0: so you guys um took down the single and have released more music since then thankfully um including your most recent EP we might be all right. Uh so tell us a little bit about uh the EP you had two new songs come out on that just tell us a little bit about the process.
2: Yeah, so EP came out yesterday? Yesterday? What day is it today? yeah it came out yesterday today yesterday
0: <laughs> today for us
1: yesterday for you
2: yeah currently so it, it came out to it came out today for you um and it's super fucking exciting we had like a release uh listening party uh, a couple of nights ago and um i'm still recovering from that which is fun um but yeah the we had three singles off this out previously and um the two new songs out yesterday and um yeah it's just super exciting because this is our first like full body of work really we've been playing the singles game before that um for like the last release and you know the way i listen to music and always like probably always will is in like i will sit down and listen to whole albums and whole eps and i think it was just really um that was something that i wanted to do like for my own band and yeah it's exciting to have it out there like just in a complete package and be able to listen to it from start to finish um but yeah um food for your garden went really well i'm really that was that's my favorite song that i've ever written um and i'm I'm, i was really happy to see people resonate with that and um yesterday and today has been amazing as well like we've had some some nice pick up in editorial playlists and stuff like that so um yeah all of the experience we've had over like the last three singles and then yesterday has been completely like mind-blowing for me like i I would never have expected to be at this point like three or four years ago so yeah it's really really relieving and really rewarding to to have this stuff out.
1: What was the writing process of the EP like?
2: Uh, It was it was it was long and stressful and amazing at the same time I guess for that those first batch of songs we had only been a band for like three or four months and we we're kind of still trying, trying to find our footing and what our sound was. And, um, then it was almost a, almost a, it was like a year and a half to a year gap between that first recording session and, and recording, we might be all right. So we had a lot of time and we spent most of that time touring, um, and getting to know each other more and like what we enjoy playing and what mo- most importantly, like what people actually were resonating with in terms of the singles we'd released. So, um, yeah, we we kind of leaned into that when it came to writing for this EP and 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 tr- and um, you know taking in more more input and feedback from what has resonated at live shows especially. I think like my favorite thing to do in this band is play live and you know this is the first band I've been in where you people have been singing back and like um, yeah it's that is like one of the most special things that you know I've ever experienced and we just want to be able to facilitate those moments moving forward like. Um, so we, 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 tried to write that a little bit into the EP, but for the most part, um, it was, we recorded it during lockdown and we'd been locked down for a little bit before that. And we were just like demoing, demoing, demoing constantly. And I had my work hours reduced because of COVID as well. So I had way more time to do it, but I was also just locked in my bedroom, um, going crazy over these songs, um. So that last, I remember that last couple of months was really stressful because we just wanted wanted to have the best songs we could possibly have going into the studio, and um, I think we got there in the end. I'd like, I'm so proud of you know the five tracks we came out with, and I'm even more excited about you know what's what's to come in the future. So, yeah, um, it was the writing process was 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 uh, was, was long and scary and stressful, but I, we've come out with a product that I'm really proud of. So, yeah.
0: We wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, the writing for, for this EP and some of your, your work, um, and like the difference in writing for, uh, sort of like heavier topics. We know that, uh, like, again, getting better, not alone are like heavily influenced, um, in like mental health and stuff like that. So what is the difference sort of writing for like, um, a more, A raw topic as compared to just like anything else
2: yeah um great question I think when it comes to this band like that's basically been my focus in terms of writing because I've always just I think in the past especially being in band so young you don't really have much life experience to pull from when you're writing so you're kind of just pulling you know cliches out of bands that you you like and like um pretending to be a person almost and Um, I've been lucky or unlucky, however you look at it to, um, have been through a fair amount of stuff over the last five years in terms of my mental health. Um, I think when I was, when Waxfile formed and the couple of years before that, and even during that first um, recording process, I was like, um, pretty deep in the throes of like anxiety and panic disorder. Um, I think, yep, before we went to Sydney that first time, like I was basically, having panic attacks every day and um, could barely leave my apartment. And yeah, it was, it was pretty horrible. Um, and even when we were in the studio that first time, like I would have to leave the vocal booth and just like slam a bunch of Valium in the car park and then come back in. Like it was not good. And that's, I think a lot of those um, original songs are definitely like based around that, uh, that experience, that part of my life and what I was going through. So um, yeah, I, I, it, it felt, Like I was entering, like compared to music that I written to previously, I was it felt more cathartic and almost like a diary entry rather than you know anything else. So when it came to recording this EP, I've been lucky enough that I I I attribute a lot of like my my growth in, in terms of my mental health to the band because you know I otherwise probably wouldn't have pushed myself out of my uh, quotation marks comfort zone. It was my uncomfort zone. Um, but that first tour we did, um, I everyone else flew obviously because it's Australia and no one, what are you going to do? Drive. (laughs) Like you can drive, but it was like weekend shows. It was like one show a weekend. Um, so everyone flew in for like the show and then would fly out, but I was like too worried about my anxiety that I thought that if I got on a plane and like, I would just completely break down and not be able to, to do it. So I got on a train for 24 hours from Brisbane to um, Melbourne. And then we played that first show and then got the train to Sydney 12 hours and then 12 hours back. And that was over the course of like two weeks. And um, even just doing that, like that was the first, like I'd just come out of like a three year relationship as well. Like kind of felt like, turning a new page on my life and um like I, I wouldn't have done any of that stuff if I didn't have the drive to um give this band my all and like try and like reach the dream that I've always had so um we did that first tour and even coming out of that I was like so much more confident in my my ability to you know just leave the house and do things and get on stage. And I was more confident in like social situations and that sort of thing. And, you know, a lot of it's attributed to, you know, therapy and, and medication, but um, actually like forcing myself out there and doing things that I probably otherwise wouldn't have, like I attribute a lot of that stuff to the band. And thankfully over the last um, two years of this band, you know, being one of the biggest things in my life, I've, you know, improved a lot and, Um, I'm feeling a lot better mentally. And I, I think that's where, um, a lot of the, the subject, um, for we might be all right comes from because, um, it's just a bit more optimistic than the stuff we've been doing previously or still touching on those topics because, you know, I'm still, I'm still in that stuff and, um, but I'm, I'm definitely feeling better about the good times when they're here, um, being able to enjoy them. So, um, yeah, less emo for emo's sake and, you know, actually, um, writing about, um my experience of you know getting better a little bit but hopefully this doesn't jinx it we'll say what, what when the next EP comes out it's probably going to be called my life is fucked
0: <laughs> i mean hey it, at that point right you still have the band though if you're releasing yes. another ep so. <laughs> that's
2: true that's true
0: <laughs> could
1: you feel that as you were writing though like that tone of maybe the tone of writing changing a little bit like was that a conscious thing or was that like as you were writing it was something that you realized
2: i think i think it definitely wasn't a conscious choice to you know start writing um from a different viewpoint i guess the viewpoint actually isn't different because it's just me i guess i have a very um i'm just writing from experience and i'm i'm pretty l- literal when it comes to what i'm actually writing about whether that's you know under the guise of um, metaphoric you know stuff like food for your garden but it's all based in you know my experience and what i'm going through at the time so um i think it's just it's just telling of what i was going through when those first songs were written and it's telling of what I'm, i was going through when these songs were written um, yeah i think it's just, it's just how i approach writing um i'm not doing like um these big uh rock operas that have like an overarching story or um like Jimmy Eat World concept albums or stuff like that but um yeah it's it's the way that I write music at the moment and the way that I have been for the last couple of years is more just based on my experience and you know wanting to externalize stuff that maybe I otherwise wouldn't um yeah
0: so outside of your life experience and maybe like your brother and whatnot what are some of the inspirations for you to uh, create music like whether it's uh like the artists you listen to or just like things that really push you to do it
2: yeah i think in terms of you know like musical inspirations um my biggest inspiration is probably yeah, Jimmy Eat World, Motion City Soundtrack, uh, Say Anything, um, you know, all those neurotic um, emo dudes from <laughs> the mid-2000s were like, got me into music, and um, I think there's a there's a band from Australia that I was listening to, like, so much, and they were the first band that I ever saw live actually called Kiss Chasey, and they are still one of my favorite bands of all time. I think it's, um, it's it sucks that Cause they were like big in like 2005 and there wasn't really, you know, a way for them to export overseas as there is now, but like they were huge in Australia, like huge Australian pop punk bands and like mainstream radio and national TV sort of thing. And you think about, you know, if they were a band now, they probably, they definitely wouldn't have had that, but they might've been able to export overseas and um, have a longer, longer career. So um, yeah, they were a huge inspiration for me um, when this band was being formed and um, but yeah, outside of, you know, musical in- influence, I think, yeah, as we were talking about, like just life experience and especially when it comes to, um, yeah, just trying to externalize and it's almost like writing a journal at the end of the day, just like sitting down and, you know, working on music and, and trying to put that stuff into a, like a creative outlet really. Cause I don't really have anywhere else to do it. Um, when it comes to that stuff. Um, so yeah, that's definitely an inspiration for me and also just, you know, my friends and family and all the people around me. And yeah, I, I think when it comes to inspiration for what actually gets me to pick up a, a guitar, it's usually, you know, reflecting on an it's ex- like a bad experience that I had that day or, or um, some, some sort of feeling that I, I was having and just trying to, you know, um, get it down somewhere rather than letting it mull around in my head for too long. Over
0: the course of, uh, your lockdown, what was that kind of like for you in terms of
2: music? In terms of music, uh, it was, it was, there's two sides of it, I guess. Um, the first side of it was, um, before lockdown, we were kind of ready to like go in all guns blazing on like, um, pitching for international tours and like going to the UK and the U S like as soon as possible. Um, and then everything got locked down. Um, and that kind of got pushed to the side for now, but it also meant that we could focus on writing and getting the CP out. Um, so I think if COVID, um, didn't happen, we probably wouldn't be sitting here talking today about this release and, and what's going on but yeah it definitely gave us more time to focus on you know the actual writing and, and recording side of things like uh, I think we're, we were actually really really lucky to be able to record last year um in the middle of everything because we live in um we live in a different state to just to, to where our producer Stevie lives so there was all you know border restrictions and stuff around the time that we were supposed to be going down. Like it was, it was a week out from recording. We didn't even know if it was going to be possible. And Stevie has like a pretty packed schedule. Um, so if, if it didn't happen then we don't, didn't really know if it was going to happen. So, um, we were just lucky that border restrictions kind of opened up and then we went down for two weeks and we came back and then they clamped down again. So it's like, we had like this perfect window of time to just get down there and get it done. But, um, other than that, we got to do some really cool, um, like Instagram live stuff. There was a festival in Australia called Isolade. Um, and we got to play that and there was a few, you know, hundred people listening and some cool bands were watching that, you know, I idolize. So um, yeah, there was definitely silver linings to the whole thing, but in terms of, you know, the last six months or so in Australia, it's been actually handled really well and shows have started to come back and, and that sort of thing. So we've got to play some shows. Um, which was, yeah, something that I didn't realize I had missed as much as I did because we were doing it every weekend for like 12 months and then we just stopped. So it was like such a constant and then I had to suddenly fill my weekends with something else. But um, yeah, hopefully um, hopefully stuff continues to go well over here. Um, tours are definitely going ahead, which is good. Um, but in terms of like international bands coming here, it's yeah, not a thing just yet and it'll be interesting to see if it's a thing the other way with Australian bands being able to go internationally because like the there's, there's stuff booked for like the end of this year for Australian bands <laughs> going overseas but I'm not sure how likely that is we will see
1: what was that first show back like like I get we're still very much like nothing's going on here yet well things are starting to open but like there hasn't been any shows or anything yet so what was that like feeling of getting up and performing for the first time after a year
2: it was really cathartic mostly um just because it was like diving straight back into this feeling that you hadn't had for so long um it was also like it it wasn't the same mainly because the that first show back was like a seated show um so everyone had to be sitting down at like tables and stuff like that so it wasn't like the same vibe um as like normal shows but it, it was the upside of that was we got to play like a bigger venue that we probably wouldn't have been able to play um, otherwise. Like the zoo in Brisbane, which is like, I've seen so many cool bands there, like the story so far and knuckle Park, and, um, and say anything. So uh, it was cool to play that stage and and sell it out. So that was really, really cool. Um, and then since then we played a, a, a show maybe a month or two ago, and that was like our first standing show back. And that was just, yeah, that was like all guns blazing, people going nuts in the crowd. and not alone had just come out and people were seeing that back. So yeah, it was really, that was really, really, really cool and rewarding. Do you guys have any plans? I know you said
0: earlier that in about a month or so you plan to um, go do some work with Stevie again. Do you guys have stuff written? Are you going to start like recording and producing some more stuff soon?
2: Yeah. So we are, what's the date today? It's the 17th. Yeah. in like a month and a half where we're going back to, to Sydney and, We're gonna do some more songs with stevie which is really exciting i guess since we um since we recorded last year we recorded the ep in may last year um we've just been writing constantly again like just always keep it going and we have like a big backlog of demos that um we're still building upon and just we'll, we'll pick the best songs out of that but yeah i'm really excited with what we have so far um i think what we found last time as well is like the, the last couple of months before rec- recording seemed to yield some of the best results as well. Cause you kind of have the fire underneath you, um, to get as much done as you can. But, um, yeah, we, we, we're going to go record and then yeah, we're announcing a tour very soon, probably next week. We're just doing a, a headline tour around Australia and that should be really exciting. Um, it was, uh, our last headline was, uh, early last year just before everything locked down. So, um, it'll be great to be able to play sydney and melbourne again we haven't played there in in, in what feels like forever um but yeah it just we, we keep going we keep recording and 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 putting music out and just doing everything we can to, to keep this band taking along it's just yeah one of my favorite things in the world and i feel super lucky to get to be able to do as much as we do
0: so um sydney do you have any other questions for tristan
1: Kristen, where can we find you online? Where can we stream Waxflowers music? Where can we find all that information?
2: Uh, you can find us, all of our socials are at Waxflowers uh, music. Um, we just started a TikTok. We don't know what to post there, but follow that as well. <laughs> but yeah, we're pretty pretty active on like Instagram mainly. Um, Instagram and Twitter are like the two big ones for us. Um, and then yeah, follow us on Spotify, Um, The EP, We Might Be Alright, came out uh, yesterday or today, if you're in the US. Um, So yeah, five songs, and we're super proud of the product. Um, Give it a listen, and yeah, give us a follow and tell us what you think.
0: Well, uh, Tristan, uh, once again, thank you so much for being on with us.
2: Uh, We really appreciate it. No, thank you. I really appreciate you guys having me on today.
0: This has been Little Known Tracks. Thank you so much for listening. If you or a loved one want to be featured or know someone who should, send us an email at littleknowntrackspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Also, do yourself a solid and follow us at LKTPod on both Twitter and Instagram. See you soon.